We are going to take communion today. We have a special communion service that we're going to have in, in preparation for that. I want you to think about this. I was, if you remember Dr. Amen was here a while back? Yes. Dr. Amen, the psychiatrist, was talking about ants and our automatic negative thoughts, etc. Um, he's writing a new book, and, I, and uh, I'm going to do a series on gratitude in, in a few weeks, uh, how we should be thankful for things and the power of being thankful, the health benefits, the relational benefits, the financial benefits, the spiritual benefits of, of being grateful. And so I said, do you have any, you know, stuff on, on being grateful and thankful? He said, oh, yeah, it's in my new book. So he sent me a manuscript and, uh, of a chapter, and in that chapter it said, um, when you get up in the morning, no matter what's going on in your life. <laughs> and we all got drama. Can I get amen? amen. All got, no matter what's going on in your life. When your feet touch the ground, you say, today's going to be a good day. Yeah. Amen. amen. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that all the circumstances are going to change. You can't necessarily, necessarily always change the circumstances, but you can absolutely affect how you respond. That's the one thing you can respond to. And so if you make a decision, today's going to be a good day. In other words, what the devil meant for evil, God's going to turn into good because I'm going to obey God. And no matter what the devil does, I'm going to trust God. That's the decision you make. So everyone do this. I'm sorry. Let me give you a little head start. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do that in a, in a second. So everybody do that and say, today's going to be a good day. <laughs> Lord, I just uh, thank you for your faithfulness. I pray that we would focus on the goodness of God. The devil can't be but evil, but you are always good. You are eternally good. So we focus our minds on the blessings and grace and provision of God in our life, no matter what our circumstances are. Thank you. Today is going to be a great day. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to someone near you and tell them today is going to be a good day. Got it. So I have a special guest today. Say hi to Dina. <laughs> today we are going to take communion and we're going to do something different. Usually I have people up here that I interview and today I wanted to slow things down and be interviewed uh, through this message and prepare our hearts uh, for what we're going to do here in about 25 minutes. We're going to take communion. I, I want to spend the whole day just preparing our hearts for communion. So why don't you take a few minutes and tell us who you are. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Dina, and I am the Rock Church Creative Director, so I get the honor of working with our creative team. It's amazing. I'm used to being behind the scenes, running around. You, must have, you might have seen me before. Um, and this is such a great honor just to have an opportunity to be one of you guys. You know, I'm, I'm you. I'm sitting in the seats and I have questions and I'm curious and this is a great opportunity for us to talk. So this is awesome. Tell us about your family. Well, um, my parents are born in Baghdad, Iraq. So we are Chaldean. Um, I'm first generation. Oh, thanks guys. You're so encouraging. You're honoring the image of God in me. Thank you. Amen. Hashtag third option. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. I didn't tell her to say that, but say it again. <laughs> um, yeah, so first generation born, definitely great messaging out of the book in helping me manage my relationship with my parents and my family because I feel very American and they are very Chaldean. <laughs> so that's a, a big difference. And um, 
I come from Los Angeles. I went to film school there and worked in the business for 11 years. And God told me to come to San Diego. And he said, I'm going to use you there. I didn't understand, but I went faithfully. And he brought me to this church where he made it clear that my calling and my training for all of those years going through major hardship out in Los Angeles trying to make it was because he wanted me to use my gifts here. And so I'm so grateful to share that. Good. Yeah, that's it. All right, so, you know, it is going to be a little bit more of a mellow service. You know, we're sitting, we want to bring the family in, have a conversation. We're going to be talking about the Last Supper. And, and Pastor Miles has a very unique way of looking at that passage. So we're going to be reading on Luke 22. But why don't you go through the three key things we want to be talking sure. about today. Everyone lift your Bibles up. Let's say word. One, two, three, say word. All the people watching online, everybody in all the campuses, say word. Turn to Luke 22. Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. We are going to look at the Last Supper and what it says to us and how we can allow it to prepare us to take communion. Communion is um, something churches do all the time and sometimes it can, things that you do on a regular basis can become routine. So we want to make sure this doesn't become routine and that we look a little deeper into what was going on in the Last Supper. And so three things we're going to look at today. And as, I, as you picture this, Jesus has been walking with his disciples for 12, uh, three years, 12 of them, and he's getting ready to leave. In a few days, he's going to be gone. Well, in a day, he's going to be gone. And so he's preparing them by reminding them, one, of the past. Passover, the meal Passover holiday every year for the Jew was to remember what God had done when he delivered them from Egypt. We'll talk about that in a minute. So we're going to look at remembering the past. Then we're going to understand the future. Because before we can take communion, we want to understand the implications on the future. And then we're going to take communion. And communion is a commitment to the cause. So what Jesus was saying was, fellas, I'm getting ready to leave. And in preparation for me leaving, you need to remember what God has done. You need to understand what you're committing to. And then you need to make a commitment. And so in a few minutes, we're going to take communion. But between now and then... I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to prepare your heart for the commitment you're making that you're not just going through a religious exercise, you are re-upping your commitment to him, to the church. Uh, last week when I was here, I don't know if I did it in this service, but I asked uh, how many of y'all consider this church and asked you to raise your hand. So let's do that really quick. How many of y'all would say this is your church? Just raise your hand real high. Okay, keep your hand up really high. Keep your hand up really high. And so what you're saying is that God has called me here. And God has called me to his mission and vision for this church. Are y'all clear? Okay, very good. So we want to always be clear and reminded of what that means. I as well, because you go week to week, service to service, and, and it, it gets tiring. So today I wanted to slow it down and have us reflect. Okay, it's, it's in October, it's 2018, we're getting ready to go into the last quarter of the year. We're going to take communion. I'm recommitting my life. Uh, to Jesus, and I'm reminding myself what it means to be part of this church. If you're not part of this church, fine, whatever church you're part of. If you're church hopping, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were asking about some ministry. I said, what church do you go to? I said, well, this one, this one, this one. And they said, can you help me? I said, first you need to pick a church. And, first, and you need to pick a pastor and, then, and stick to that. Don't jump around. And so for us to just kind of re-up, what does that mean? Amen? We live in a culture where that's not stressed. 
We want to stress that because God deserves all of our hearts. So um, let's read Luke chapter 22, verse 1 to, I mean 7 to 23. It says, then came the day of unleavened, unleavened bread or bread without yeast. When the Passover must be killed, the lamb that they would eat. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. Now four times you're going to see the word prayer, prepare, get ready, preparation. And that's what this service is about. Getting our heart ready for when we take this at the end. You don't want to just take it. You want to take it knowing what you're committing to and what statement you're making by taking that, what you're acknowledging. So he says, I want you, verse 8, go and prepare. Everyone say prepare. Prepare. The Passover for us. Verse 9. So they said, where do you want us to prepare? Everyone say prepare. Prepare. And he said, behold, when you have entered the city, a man will eat, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room and there make ready. Prepare. In other words, I've already prepared the guy. He's already got the room and he's already got the furniture already done. So you go do your part, which is in addition to the furniture, but I've already prepared on that side. So God has prepared us. He's made preparation and we also got to make preparation of our heart. Verse 13. So they went and found it just as he said to them and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour had come, he sat down with the 12 apostles and said, with fervent desire, I desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God has come. He took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with you on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But whoa, everyone say whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Woe to that man or woman by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves which one of them it was who would do this thing. Wow. I mean, we have a lot to talk about, but first let's talk about remembrance. You know, as you prepare a meal, you're thinking about remembrance. What is it that you want to challenge the congregation to remember, especially about the last half of the year? Did you guys come to the dialed in series where we had a big radio on the stage and we were declaring and mind your business? Who was here for mind your business? Let's talk about some of the key things that you hope that we reflect and remember today. So every Passover, what they would do to remember what God had done. If you remember, the Jews were in Egypt 400 years in slavery. And God delivered them supernaturally through Moses, through miracles, through 10 plagues. The last plague, the first child being killed in every family. 
And the Jews were told, I want you to take the blood of a lamb and put it on the door. And when the angel of death comes to Egypt to kill the firstborn of every child, every family, if you have the blood of the lamb on the door, the angel of death will pass over your house. That's where you get Passover from. So they had to, by faith, kill a lamb, put the blood of the lamb on the door, and they would eat the Passover meal standing up because they had to leave Egypt quick. And they would go in and as they celebrated it, they would stand up, they would eat. They would also clean the house of all the leaven or yeast because when it happened in Egypt, they didn't have time to bake bread with leaven or yeast. They had to break it real quick because the yeast made it, took a long time to cook. So they were remembering every year they took the Passover, they were remembering and reminding themselves of what God had done to deliver them. How many of you can say God had done, you, done a miracle in your life to get you to do something in the last year? Can I get an amen? We forget. We forget the financial issues, the relational issues, the stress, the physical issues, the job issues. We forget the things God has taught us and we just keep going because life is so fast. So I want us to take a minute to think about what God has done, at least what he's taught us here. And for us to try to remember, yeah, God taught us that, God taught us that, because as we take this cup, we want to first remember the past and God's goodness. So one of those sermons was um, Dialed In series. Remember we said declare, listen, and ask. Everyone say declare. declare. We talked about declaring God's truth over your life, for you to look in your mirror every day and say, today's going to be a good day. God loves me. He died for me. He rose from the dead for me. He's anointed me. He's gifted me. He's created me in Christ Jesus with good works and, and that has been prepared in advance for me to, to do. God's already done that. You need to declare it every day and then listen for what God's going to say. Then ask him for your request. Instead of getting up saying, dear God, I, I got trouble. Can you help me? Can you help me? First declare truth. That's why it's so important when you get up to say, God is going to bless me today. Say, God's going to bless me today. He is going to bless you today, but you have to look for it. Fellas, this, you're looking for a wife and you're in the store and she's walking by you every day, but you're looking for something else. And she's right in your face. How many of you grew up next to a, a girl who you thought was just your neighbor and come to find out, man, when she grew up, if you were to, <laughs> she was right. God said, I put her right next to you, fool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Declare, I am, I am blessed by God. Everybody say, I am blessed by God. The next series was uh, God's presence. We talked about God's presence means God's, God's face. To be in God's presence doesn't mean to be in a room where he's at. It means to be in his face. Everyone do this. That's where God is right here. Everyone do this. I know some of y'all don't want to participate. Everyone do this. <laughs> but I can't see you. You don't need to see me right now. Just see your hand. God is right here all the time. Don't be doing this. I'm going to declare that. God, you're right here. Yes, I am. Today's going to be a good day, right? Yes, I am. So why is everything falling apart? Because I'm taking everything out of your life you don't need. And you got to trust me. Right here. Remember that. The next series, or the, it was Easter. Jesus at his best. Jesus was at his best not when he created the heavens and the earth. It's when he died for sinners. and he, Not even when he died. Not even when he rose. It was when you cried out to him and he said, I love you. 
That's when he's at his best. If God was at his best then for you at your lowest moment, he wants to be at his best through you for somebody else. Ask God to send you someone you can bless with his word. We don't want to just hold on to God for me. Amen? Ooh, next one. Mind your business. Uh, uh, real quick, I, if you did not get the six steps to get rid of automatic negative thoughts, please take a picture of the screen. Please take a picture of that screen. If you have negative thoughts, by the way, if you're human, say amen. amen. You have negative thoughts. <laughs> Can I get amen? amen? Things aren't going to work out. No one loves me. Nothing ever goes right. Oh, it's too sunny outside. It's too, it's too uh, cloudy outside. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too perfect. No, yeah, it's, it, <laughs> Negative. Why? Because the devil gets in our head. Take, first thing you want to do if you want to get rid of automatic negative thoughts, let me tell you by first-hand experience, this works. But you have to work it. Number one, write down your negative thought. Write it in detail. I'm going to lose my job next week because my boss didn't look at me right and I'm going to be homeless in six months. <laughs> How many of you have thoughts like that ridiculous? Can, can I get amen? <laughs> it's like, ah. Okay, write it out, and as you're writing it, most likely by the time you start to get to the end of your thoughts, you're going to go, this is cray-cray that I'm thinking this. <laughs> then ask yourself or answer the question, is it true? Now, you can write, I don't know, but the next question, are you 100% sure? No, you are not. You're not. You can't be 100% sure. How does that thought make you feel? Sad, anxious, deflated, answer the question. How would you feel if you didn't have that thought? Powerful, wonderful. Imagine if you could take that thought out of your life. Not only at the moment, but forever. I'm not going to think that no more, anymore. Okay? And then, this is the best part. Describe the opposite. Not only am I not going to lose my job, God, God is going to get me a better job. Matter of fact, I'm going to be the boss of my boss. <laughs> Maybe not, but you know. I'm Preach. Say, <laughs> and the last, series, the, la the last series was the one we just came out of was uh, uh, the third option. On, a, on a, um, the image of God and people, and I pray that that book is encouraging you, or the message series is encouraging you, helping you see people differently and seeing the world differently and having a different, uh, being more empowered to engage in that conversation. Awesome, awesome. Let's go to the awesome, second point. Awesome. We want to understand the future and making disciples. And at the end of the Last Supper, Jesus charged the disciples with something very specific. I mean, the intimacy of a meal and hanging out and, and talking shop with the family. Talk to us about that. Yes, turn to Luke 22. I want to read this to you, what he says. He says in verse 15, he said, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. In other words, I'm leaving. Things are going to change. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then, he, then they did the communion, which we'll do here in a minute. They, they took the cup and the wine. Um, Passover is celebrated to remind the Jews of what God had done. Jesus is telling them, I want to, we need to be reminded of what's going to be done, but I'm leaving. So I want to prepare you for the future because the commitment you're taking is that you're telling me you're in it for the long haul. We're making a commitment to the future. The reason I asked you if this was your church, I'm not trying to trick you, I asked you if this was your church, because 
when we take communion here, we're making a commitment to God our Lord, but also we're making a commitment to what God has called us to do as a collective body of the body of Christ. Because God has put this church here to fulfill his plan. And for this period of time, he's made me the pastor. For this period of time, one day I won't be the pastor. I'm not saying that's imminent. I'm just saying at some point that's going to change. However, right now, I'm here, you're here for such a time as this to do a specific thing. And so when we take this, what we're saying is, God, God, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to this. And this isn't just Sunday. It's seven days a week. And what I mean by that is we have our groups. Are you in our group? Do you serve in a ministry? Do you faithfully give? Our giving is down a million dollars this year. Do you serve? The average person in America goes to church less than twice a month. What's that? I'll go whenever. And yet there's 200 people that work here who depend, who work and put their heart and soul in not only service every Sunday, every Sunday, but every day. And this says, this reminds us of the commitment God made to us. And it reminds us the commitment we need to make to him. And so if you say, hey, that's where I'm going to go, in America, it's, well, I'll attend every now and then. But that's not Bible. That's cultural Christianity. Jesus died. And so the future is we're going to have in November, we're going to have an, an all-in uh, offering to go to all the ministries we have. We, we, we talk about that. We'll talk more about that. But that series, the all-in series, is going to be a series of gratitude that we spend over a, a month learning about the power of saying thank you. Everyone say thank you. Man, can you imagine if every single day, instead of getting up complaining, you got up and said, thank you. My wife, um, she, she serves, she's a servant. And she serves me, when I say serves me, we serve each other. But she is so much of a servant. She makes my breakfast. She gives me vitamins, supplements, trying to keep me young. <laughs> she packs my bills when I go out of town. And, and one day she was giving me my food and God said, do you say thank you to your wife every day? And I just said, hmm. I mean, I think I do, but I, 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 that day I said, you know what? I grabbed her and I held her and I said, thank you very much for taking care of me. And she went, aw. <laughs> do you know the power of saying thank you to God? God, thank you I woke up today. You know that there's a lot of people ain't going to wake up today? Thank you I had a roof over my head. A lot of people don't have a roof over their head. Thank you. Thank you for my church. Thank you that I live in a country I can come to church. Thank you that I have a church that's there every Sunday, committed to you every Sunday. Whoever's up here is committed to you every Sunday. Thank you that we're taking steps of faith to reach the community and go out into the darkness. Thank you for my R group. Thank you that there are groups I can get in and learn and be accountable. Just thank you, thank you versus when they didn't do this and I didn't like that song and someone was in my seat and there was no ushering and I didn't get a parking space and there people out there beeping that horn and it was too hot and it was too cold and it was too loud and the lights were too bright and, and the person in front of me had an afro and I just couldn't and the person next to me was singing too loud. The person behind me didn't was singing off key and I'm not going back there. 
well, thank you for not coming back. I mean, come on. My goodness. <laughs> Listen, for real, we, we love you. We love you. But there's been times people say, I'm not coming back. I'm like, man, I'm going to pray for where you go. <laughs> to come in and say, Lord, I want to serve. That there are people come down here every Sunday crying. And we need people to pray for them. Because their life in their mind is destroyed. And we need people to pray for them. There's little kids in there. We need people to minister to them. And we can't do it. Um, 2,000 years, a year of discipleship. Of course, we're also always supposed to make disciples, but we're going to make, it's going to be so much in your face next year that we're going to challenge you who, what discipleship relationship are you in all year long. God's been doing amazing stuff in Pastor Miles' life. We've been seeing the evolution of our pastor growing. This book is, is expanding his territory. And, and I, I sense a, a, a gratefulness in you just for the people who've been pouring into your life. You've been discipled. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I have multiple people that I go to on a regular basis to get wisdom on spiritual things, walking with God. Walking with God. You know, God, how do I deal with the stress of finances here or, or attendance or, or this thing with staff or whatever drama in my life, family issue, whatever it is. Help me. I have people that go to tell me, help me how to lead better. I have people go to help me how to be organized, business people that they're just good at business and how do I handle and juggle all these details in my life. There's no way I can do, anybody can do what you do by yourself. You are not supposed to do life by yourself. I was at a conference, a women's conference the other day here in San Diego, C3 Church. I was doing, I spoke at their women's conference and it was 1,700 women. And I was like, let me tell y'all life from a guy's perspective. What y'all need to know. <laughs> I know some of you guys are laughing, but one of, the, one of the things I told those women is that guys aren't as strong as you, they think. They need you. And they're not as strong as you think they are. They're not as confident as you think they are. They need you. I'm not telling, telling that, you know, we're all punks, but, you know, we're like, we're going to be the man, we're going to be the man. And, yeah, a girl comes up to you and gets in your face. It's like, okay, you need women in your life to tell you stuff. Because women see life very differently than you. Period. And those women need to hear that. But my point is that, ladies, you, we, all of us, we all need people in our life to help us understand every aspect of our life. If you're, a, if you're a married couple, you cannot do it by yourself. You cannot figure it out by yourself. You've never done it before. That's so arrogant to think you could do it by yourself or a parent or, or, or if you're going to own a business. I talk to people and say, I want, to be a, I want to be a senior pastor of a big church. You have no idea what you're saying. You have no idea what you're saying if you want, you want to be in ministry. Now, it doesn't mean don't do it, but don't think you could do it by yourself. And so the discipleship, the year of discipleship is to get someone in your life that can pour into you and that you can pour into and that you do it for this period of time and you multiply. <laughs> you can stay with them, but at some point they got to get somebody. At some point they got to get somebody. The only reason we're here is because that happened through the disciples. Very, very good. That was powerful. There, discipleship is for everyone, right? 
I know that that's important to me. About a year ago, I needed a spiritual mentor in my life to pray for me every single day because I was going something. I, I could not done it without her. So it's accessible to everybody. Um, let's move into the communion portion, the commitment to the cause, which is communion. And there's a key player in this, in this whole story. I'm curious, and I don't know if you are too, why is Judas in the story? Why is there a betrayer? Why is there someone that is the opposition Talk to us about that, Pastor Miles. If you look at verse 20, Luke 20, it says, Likewise, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And then he said, But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. You ever wonder why Jesus had a Judas? I mean, he picked these 12 guys. He knew everything. And Judas took care of the money, which to me is a message to God saying, Don't worship the money. Don't worship your money. But what's interesting is that God was saying, if I had a Judas, you will have a Judas. Just don't be that Judas. So if you have a team of people, you will have a Judas. But you just don't be that Judas. So God is saying to me, don't be that Judas. So I'm always thinking, okay, God, am I being faithful to what you called me to do? And this is something for all of us to think about. Am I doing what I am doing? So when I take this, okay, God, I, wanna, I don't want to be that guy take, at the Last Supper taking this and I'm that guy. I want to be the guy that's faithful. And by the way, all these guys died, were killed for their faith. Actually, John wasn't killed. He was put in a vat of oil to be killed, but he survived. I don't know what that's like. He survived boiling oil. So I think I might have wanted to die. But uh, so, God, so my challenge is, is for me, am I betraying what God has called me to do as pastor, as a husband, as a father, a brother? Is there an area in my life where I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do with my money, my time, my talent? That's something to think about. You said, this is my church. I'm committed. Is there a way you are being a Judas and betraying what God has called you to do for what he has called us to do? We cannot do, fulfill what God has called us to do if we all don't do the part God has called us to, to fulfill. Are you in our group? Are you serving? Are you giving? Are you attending? Are you just kind of mailing it in? And, and the devil's very subtle. He's not going to say, listen, you're going to betray Christ and, and you know, and just, uh, you know, sell him out. It's just very subtle. We put him on the back burner, very subtle. We consider the things of God secondary to other more important things. It's, that's how it works. And so my, I'm challenged by Judas because I don't want to be that. And so as we take communion, for you to be thinking about, God has blessed me in the past. God has some amazing things for me in the future. And I don't want to be a Judas. I want to be faithful to what he's called me to do and be. And, and as I think about this book, um, the message of the book, and I told you last week, you know, we're going to go on to a new series, but the reception of the third option is blowing my mind, overwhelming me. And 
God is downloading some things that we'll share with you as they come. I told God, God, I, I want to go all out with addressing the racial division in the country and go all out with trying to bring people together. So, and, and that has been a scary journey for two years up until or writing the thing, writing the book. But he is slowly revealing stuff. You can pray for me because I know I need your prayers and support and faithfulness because I can't do it all by myself. We have an incredible staff, but we also have an incredible congregation, and we all need to work together to, one, minister to San Diego. Can I get amen? And then when, as God's opened these doors around the country, and you may not see all that, but that's what this is. We all have a role. And, and for all of us to be faithful in what that role is, and the only way that's going to happen is if all of us play that role. And one of the things I'm asking you for me is to pray for me. If you follow me on social media, you'll see where I'm going, who, the interviews I'm doing. I, I've done 67, I can't, I don't have to stop counting, 60, 70, 80 interviews that God would give me wisdom in all those interviews. I fly from place to place to place trying to convey the hope of the gospel for our country. That you would pray that I would have wisdom and stamina and then come back here and be fresh for you. Um, that's what I would ask you to pray for as we take this and we say, listen, I'm all into that versus saying, nah, I'm just going to come every now and then and just check the box that we have more commitment to him than that. Does that make sense? That That's makes really sense? exciting. I think all of us, yeah. Every year I always say I want to see myself grow in every area of my life. So this is really exciting for next year. So be praying about who to ask to disciple you, mentor you, be there for certain parts of your life and who you'll be discipling. Um, Pastor Miles, you were, this particular message was very specific to the people who call Rock their home church. What about some of those that are new here or coming for the first time? Yeah. You know, what do you want them to be reflecting about yeah. while we take communion? In a minute, we're going to take communion. If you don't have a, a cup, um, in a minute, we're going to ask you to raise your hand. We're going to get you a cup uh, of bread and juice. But this is basically a statement saying, God, you died and rose from the dead for me. I'm acknowledging I know that. We just talked about, I'm also acknowledging that you've been taking care of me. I'm also acknowledging that you're asking me to commit to you in the future. And so I'm in. That's what this is all about. If you never asked Christ to be your savior, uh, you want to do that now. So in other words, you do not want to take this without having asked Christ to be your savior. Because what you're saying to God is, God, I realize you died for me and rose from the dead, and I'm going to admit that I realize it, but I reject you. You don't want to do that. Because then you're condemning yourself. You're actually admitting, I know the truth. That's why it's very dangerous to put tattoo crosses on your body and not walk with God. Because you're saying, oh yeah, I, I know Jesus died on the cross, but I reject him. So you don't want to do that because the cross, you could tattoo the cross all over your body and have jewelry and go to hell. Because you have just condemned yourself. You said, I already know. I know. Matter of fact, I know it's so good. I tattooed all over my body. Nowhere it says if you tattoo the cross all over your body. Matter of fact, if you put Bible verses on your skin, you're going to go to heaven. They don't say that anywhere. It says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. So before we take communion, if you have never asked Christ to be your savior, we want to give you an opportunity. There's also some of y'all in there, you've been kind of floating. 
You're a cultural Christian. And what I mean by that is that church is what determines the importance of church attendance, service, giving is not determined by the Bible. It's determined by culture to you. That is whatever because that's what the culture says. Well, the culture is not Christian. We don't live in a Christian culture. You need to know that. It's in, it is by name but not by practice. You go to a Muslim country, they are more committed to Islam than we are to Christianity. We, and when I say culture, the country, we, we, we lip service God with stuff in the Bible becoming illegal. But as believers, we can't have that be determined, that determine the level of our commitment. It has to be the word of God. That's one of the hardest things about pastors. The hardest job for pastors is to convince people to believe the Bible and not culture. And so if you say, you know what, I need to, I need to re-up and re-up my commitment to a whole different level. And so in, in doing that, in, in taking this, you are also saying that. So in a minute we're going to pray. For some of y'all, you're asking Christ to be your, your Savior for the first time. Some of you are saying, you know what, I need to, yeah, I need to remember God has done some amazing things in my life. And I believe God is going to do some amazing things in the future. And I'm in. I need to be more involved and be walking more faithfully in the little things that God has called me to do in my life. Because he's not called you to survive. He wants you to thrive and take your light to the darkness of this world. Amen? Amen. He wants you to walk by faith into some areas that he will lead you into. But it's up to him. It's not up to our comfort zone. Some of y'all are going to have to break off relationships because in your heart you know you're in the wrong relationship. If that was for one person, God just told me to say that, that's for you. You've been struggling in your relationship. You're doing stuff you know God doesn't want you to do. Leave. Leave. I dated my wife four years. I got saved at the end of that four years. or recommitted my life. And I said, and we had lived together for years. I said, we can't do this anymore. I can't sleep with you anymore. So we got married. But that's another story. <laughs> True story. <laughs> we were married 30, 34 years, just two weeks ago. Amen. <laughs> Bow your heads and close your eyes and listen very carefully. The Bible says all, have, all are sinners and all have fallen short of the glory of God and that the penalty of sin is death. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you would like to ask Christ to be your Savior, pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead. I surrender my life to you. There are some of you in here, you need to take this communion as your recommitment, that you're going to stop going through the motions, that you are going to re-up your commitment and reevaluate any areas of your life that may be like Judas. That you've been betraying the commitment you made when you got saved. Just pray this prayer with me if that's you. Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender. I repent. I want to be fully committed to you. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed either one of those prayers to ask Christ to be your Savior or just to reestablish your commitment, just raise your hand up really high 
elbow above your ear. Really, 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 really high. Very, very good, very good, very good. Dozens of you. God, God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Just open the top of that wafer, that plastic. He took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and saying, this is my body which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we understand physical pain. So we take this bread acknowledging the physical anguish of being crucified, beat, hit with rods, nailed. In Jesus' name, amen. Likewise, he took the cup after supper and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. There is no forgiveness without bloodshed. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for our sin. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, and please close your eyes and bow your head. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand if you raised your hand a few minutes ago. If you asked Christ to be your Savior or you recommitted your life to him. If you want someone to stand with you, just tap your neighbor that you came with. Grab their hand, tap their knee, and they will stand with you to encourage you. So if you prayed that prayer, one of those two prayers, and you raised your hand, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And by standing, you are like Christ, resurrecting to a new life. One, on the count of three, stand up if you raise your hand. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.